the most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon and welcome to the Saturday edition of the Best of Fight Back from the week that was. We started the week talking about Premier Doug Ford's decision to cancel Canada Day festivities on the lawn of Queen's Park this Monday. The governing PCs say they are doing this for two reasons. To offer thousands of Ontarians free access to 10 different Ontario tourism sites and attractions. And because the Queen's Park event has not been that well attended, and is expensive to put on at between three hundred and four hundred thousand dollars. Joining me to discuss the decision, NDP MPP Peter Tabins, Ali Salam, Senior VP Public Affairs at National Public Relations, and Jason Leader, Conservative Strategist and President at Enterprise. Giving sort of five hundred people free admission to those places, I think it's pretty creative. And I've I've been to Canada Day at at Queens Park, you know, a long time ago. It used to be a big deal, and I'm told it was not such a big deal the last couple of last couple of times. So I think it was creative. I think it's I think it's not a bad thing, and uh, get some people talk, talking about it. You know, if if you have to. Uh, you know, and, and uh, with the fiasco that Parliament Hill had last year, I think, uh, you know, I've been in Ottawa on Canada Day as well. And, and I think it's not worth, it's worth a discussion about this. And I think this is a pretty creative idea, and I like it. Ali Salam, what do you think? Some of these sites are quite fantastic, and I think they're wonderful, including Fort William Historical Park, the Science Centre, Science North. But I don't think those are really kind of the places that Canadians want to, and Ontarians want to go celebrate Canada Day. Um, and I'll give the premier the the benefit of the doubt. There are numerous reports that this was decided long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but but where was that announcement? It's the week before Canada Day, uh, less than now. And uh, and so where was this announcement this whole time? And I think the government knew that this was going to be an unpopular decision. Tried to play the timing game, and then now they have to convince people that it's it's because they decided long ago it was about costs and not. Uh, because he got had a bad reception at the Raptors celebration. Right. So that's, the real, that's the real problem for the government right now, that people are preferring to believe the worst as opposed to, you know, what, what sources are telling us was a decision that was in fact made long ago. We're going to go to the official opposition, Peter Tabins with the NDP, NDP MPP. So what are your thoughts about uh, the cancelling of the Canada Day festivities at Queen's Park? I, I was pretty surprised, to tell you the truth. Um, I... I I've seen a lot of strange things. I didn't expect that to happen. Uh, I guess uh, Premier Ford just doesn't want to be booed in public anymore. And so he isn't going to be able to control the crowd there. Uh, He puts himself at risk of uh, having to deal with the public's real feeling towards him. Uh, I think every legislature should be celebrating Canada Day. It's our national birthday. We wouldn't, we would find it very bizarre in the United States if uh, they weren't um, celebrating July 4th, and it's very strange here as well. Now, if if that actually is the reason, who's to say that all the Ford Nation supporters wouldn't come out on Canada Day to see him? I mean, they did last year, and clearly they were at Ford Fest on the weekend. So, you know, there's a little there's a little bit of doubt on the whole booing thing. I take your point, and it was the first thing I thought of as well. Uh, but that that can't be the only reason they've cancelled Canada Day at Queen's Park. Well, I I can't see any other good reason for them to do it. We are part of an extraordinary country, and we celebrate it on an annual basis. Well, we celebrate it more than annually, but there's one day a year when we do pay special attention to the fact that we're living in this extraordinary place. Um, Yes, you're right. Uh, Ford didn't get booted for it. 
fast, but my understanding is they were checking ID for people coming in. When you have an open event like this where you're not checking ID, uh, it gets pretty risky for him. When did you hear that the Canada Day festivities would be cancelled? Uh, sometime within the last week. I didn't. I heard it at the same time everyone else did when we saw it in the newspapers. I didn't hear about anything prior to that. Just a final comment from both of you. Where he is going to be spending Canada Day, the Premier of Ontario, presumably he will be meeting Canadians, Ontarians somewhere that's yet to be announced. Jason? Yeah, I'm not sure what his, what his plans are. Fast forward five years. Is anyone going to be wondering where this this event went? I really don't. The way it's been going the last couple of years, I'm not like three or four hundred thousand dollars is for five thousand people is eight hundred dollars a person. Right. You know. Right. And and so start to add up. You know the cost of that. And I, I listen. I'm a civic guy. I, I I would never want this to be canceled in Parliament Hill because I think it's a national celebration. I just don't think that's the, that's that big a deal. And can you really sort of say we should spend eight hundred or a thousand dollars for every person that shows? Down, up down there to for some balloons and hot dogs and, and, a, and a speech from the stage, I don't think it's a great use of money. Ali Salam, your final comments? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, to your, to your point, Jane, I think we have to wait and see whether the Premier is going to be spending his Canada and, and what he's doing um, to, you know, to do his responsibility as Premier of Ontario and, and part of the Federation. Um, the challenge, I think, for him is going to be, you know, again, to getting back on message at this point when, when he's had a pretty rough week, I would say. I think most people have had a pretty rough week. And uh, and the timing of this particular announcement around Canada Day really didn't help things at all either, um, just because of the way that uh, the communications have rolled out in the last uh, last little while. So I'm sure he'll be looking for a reset after uh, after the uh, barbecue season gets going, and uh, we'll have to we'll have to see what he does with it. That was my conversation on Monday with Ali Salam, Senior VP Public Affairs at National Public Relations, Jason Leader, Conservative Strategist and President at Enterprise, and NDP MPP Peter Tabins. It was later in the week, yesterday on Friday, when the Liberals' Mitzi Hunter announced that the Liberals would be throwing their own Canada Day party on the lawn of Queen's Park on Monday. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. We're going to suspend disbelief for this next segment and talk about the power of serendipity. Author and motivational speaker Nina Spencer joined me in studio to discuss why summer is the perfect time to open yourself up to serendipitous events. You know, there's a line in, in the Beatles song, uh, All You Need Is Love. Uh, and and it says there isn't anywhere that you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. It's easy, right? And then the rest of the song starts. Um, that kind of refutes the idea of serendipity. But I still think that most people really are gobsmacked. I love that word, gobsmacked, when something bizarrely coincidental happens, where you think to yourself, "If I saw it in a movie, there's no way I would believe this." But yet it it happened to you. It happened to me. So shall I tell you a story? Yes, right? I'd love to hear your story. Well, here's one that. You know, we'll pull a heartstring for you. The uh, my mother came to Canada from the from England in 1953. Her daughter, not her daughter, her sister was 11, and she knew that it was going to be a crushing blow to say, you know, your big sister is going across the ocean and she's never coming back. So uh, she had to break it to her gently, like. Burton Cummings would say. Um, and she took her on a day trip to Windsor. And they had a beautiful day, a picnic and so on. And they walked across this gorgeous footbridge that spans the Thames between Windsor and Eton. And 
it was on that footbridge that she told my auntie that she was going away and not coming back, moving to Canada. Uh, and my aunt said, after my mom died in the 1990s, uh, and I met my aunt for the first time, she said that uh, it was very a poignant moment for her. So when I met her and I went to England, I said, take me to that bridge. I want to, I want to see that spot. And so we went there and it was very quiet and we got very solemn and all of a sudden uh, a boat goes underneath the bridge and the man on the boat is waving away. He's, he's the skipper and he's thrilled to, to see someone on the, on the top of the bridge. And so we wave back and the boat goes underneath the bridge and as it's sailing off to the other side, the back of the boat has my mother's name on it. No. And my mother's <laughs> name is really rare. It's Beryl, B-E-R-Y-L. Right. And we couldn't believe it. And so there we were all kind of sad and glum and all of a sudden we realized... There's no need. She's there. She's yeah. here, right there with us. What are the odds of that happening, And it, it's just so much more fun to go with that serendipitous occasion rather than yeah. just to say, oh, it's just a coincidence. Well, there you are. That's like a gobsmacking moment, a godsmacking the universe, whatever you want to say. Yeah. I, I just think it's beautiful serendipity. I call those goosebump moments. Goosebump moments. Uh, yes. Love it. Right? Yes. We do that. Sometimes you go looking for something and then you get something else instead. Right. And it's better. It's more wondrous. Right. That's when you're not looking that it shows up, right? Absolutely. <laughs> if you don't look too hard. Yeah. Right? And of course, historically, there are, are uh, serendipitous moments like uh, uh, the discovery of penicillin, for example. It, Alexander Fleming went away on vacation and had some bacteria cultures, forgot to clean the dishes properly. They ended up getting mold in them, but the bacteria were dead, and hence we ended up with penicillin. Yeah. Right? So these kinds of things happen to us all the time, especially if if you're aware of it. I use that expression about uh, fish in the, in the water. You know that old cliche about fish asking what is water, and then you say, well, you're swimming in it. <laughs> you're swimming in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I believe that there are more serendipitous opportunities out there for all of us to experience if we kind of set ourselves up for it a little bit more. I know it kind of takes the accidental out of it if you're setting yourself up for it. Nevertheless, I think that there are things that any one of us can do to make ourselves more open to it, open to the idea. How does serendipity enrich your life? First of all, being open to it and then having it happen. How does that sort of transform your mood or your perspective or your view on life? Mm -hmm. When you have a serendipitous opportunity, it's the cherry on top of your day. It's the story that you're telling everybody. It's the story you bring to the dinner table. Guess what happened to me today? It's, it's one of those kind of days. Guess what happened to me today? Those are the best days. And those are the best days. Yeah. And the ripple effect, the residue from it can go on for a day or two or more. The ripple effect from one of those delightful moments, just a teeny-weeny moment in time, can have this wonderful ripple effect that, of course, we know chemically will charge you with endorphins, will, will charge you with your dopamine hit. It, it's an elation. And any time that we can have opportunities that help to elate, as Martha Stewart would say, that's a good thing.
author and keynote speaker Nina Spencer. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. We are officially in the summer political season when you can expect to see federal election candidates in your riding vying for your vote. Joining me to discuss the dynamics of the federal election campaign in these unofficial early days, Lauren Bozanoff, president of Forum Research, John Capobianco, political commentator, senior VP and senior partner at Fleischmann Hillard High Road, and Charles Bird, managing principal of the Toronto office of Earnscliff Strategy Group. We began our discussion talking about Conservative leader Andrew Scheer and his assertions that he is a moderate and his own man. Part of the challenge for any leader of the opposition is that no one believes that he or she is going to become prime minister until the exact moment that they actually do become prime minister. And he is a relatively unknown commodity at the moment in the eyes of Canadians, not terribly well known, narrowly won uh, his party's leadership at the uh, party convention two years ago over Maxime Bernier. Um, you can imagine what things would look like if Monsieur Bernier had uh, won the leadership. Um, so... One of the dangers he faces is that um, there will be a conscious effort on the part of his opponents and numerous third-party organizations to define him in the eyes of Canadians, to define him as someone who's too right of centre for where mainstream Canadians sit, as someone who doesn't believe in the science of climate change, let alone having put out a platform without targets. Uh, So he's doing the right thing politically by being out there and trying to set straight what he he's about and what his priorities are. The big question is whether he'll be able to accomplish it. Is he a moderate? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he comes very much from the Stephen Harper uh, line of the party, which is, you know, pre-Trump, bare-knuckled and take no prisoners. And and that's what Canadians rejected wholeheartedly in 2015. John, uh, we'll go over to you now. I think what you're seeing is Andrew Scheer um, trying to uh, identify himself, trying to build a narrative around who he is and, and what he wants to do as leader of the party. Um, Charles is right about one thing that he that he said, uh, and that is um, opposition leaders don't get a lot of press, and, and a lot of people don't know who they are. Justin Trudeau was different because of his name and his family, uh, his family name, and of course he came in as liberal leader with uh, with a huge amount of name recognition. Um, plus, but, but also, when he was the opposition leader, um, you can attack the government, as he did, uh, and he was able to effectively um, put uh, Stephen Harper and the government into a corner and, and won the election. And then I think, and Lauren will agree with this as a pollster, but uh, people, uh, governments are voted out, not voted in. Um, and I think what, uh, what we're seeing now is um, Canadians being fed up with the Liberals. Uh, you know, Justin Trudeau came in with a huge amount of promise and all these, all these ideas and hope and opportunity. Uh, and we've seen that fizzle over the last uh, three and a half years. Um, and I think what, what Andrew Scheer has to do is basically try to inoculate himself from what are going to be attacks, such as what Charles was saying and others about him being a Stephen Harper guy, which he's not. Um, I think the ads that the liberals are, what you're seeing on the TV and others about him being uh, a Stephen Harper type guy, this mean guy, uh, is just not washing with, uh, with the public. They're, they're seeing a different type of Andrew Scheer. Uh, and he's not like Stephen Harper, and I think that's why they're uh, they're not doing so well with the uh, with the with the ads. Lauren, let's go over to you. Sheer continues to be in the lead, despite the fact that many Canadians don't know a lot about him. What what factor is playing into that right now? 
he has a negative approval rating. Uh, his approval rating is 34%. His disapproval is 41%. The only places he's in positive territory are in the prairies, both in uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and also in Alberta. In every other region in the country, uh, more people disapprove of him than approve of him. And as they say, he hasn't even taken office yet. And in terms of Prime Minister Trudeau, his popularity, his support was declining around the SNC-Lavalin scandal. That seems to be bouncing back a bit. Is that an accurate portrayal of what's happening? That's true. The Tory lead is is shrinking. It has been ticking down slightly month by month over the last uh, three or four months. So the race is actually tightening. We still have the Tories ahead, though. When you look back at previous campaigns, Lauren, is this a good position that uh, Justin Trudeau finds himself in four months out from the election, just slightly behind or four or five points behind? You know, it's not so bad, but just think, think of the last election. Uh, Harper was leading right, right up until the, the start of the election, so right through the summer, right into the, the start of the fall campaign. Um, the lead then changed twice, then Mulcair was leading, and, and finally Trudeau won it. So this far out, so, you know, campaigns do matter. It is, it is of course, best to be uh, out front uh, going into, into the, 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 the heat of the campaign, but um, things can really change these days. Lauren Bozanoff, President of Forum Research. John Capobianco, political commentator, senior VP and senior partner at Fleischman Hillard High Road. And Charles Bird, managing principal of the Toronto office of Earnscliffe Strategy Group. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. As we wrap up Seniors Month in Canada, we took some time this past week to talk about improving our financial literacy as we age. CPA Canada is one such organization that has been facilitating this type of education. Doretta Thompson is CPA Canada's financial literacy leader, and she joined me in studio to discuss the importance of providing older Canadians with financial literacy skills. Look at what we're seeing today. We are seeing um, an aging population, people living much longer, living much longer in good health. Um, We have retirements. You need to plan for a longer retirement, perhaps, than when other systems were set up. You don't really know how long you have to plan for, right? I mean, you can you can make some guesses. Uh, you can look at your, um, you know, longevity in your family and things like that. But really, things have changed. People are living longer. People are living healthier. We have situations um, where women's financial literacy tends to be lower than men's financial literacy for a number of reasons. And women live longer than men and mm-hmm. tend to marry older men. So on you know, it's not unusual to have, um, you know, for women to outlive their husbands by about 10 years. Um, and that's a significant, specific financial literacy literacy challenge when you think about it. That in and of itself, all of a sudden you're in a widow. Perhaps you weren't taking care of the family finances. Exactly. And what do you do? What we really try to advise people and with our, our sessions on budgeting, etc., in, in retirement, first of all, to plan in advance to make sure that each person knows where all the resources are, where all your papers are, all of that sort of thing. There are a lot of resources out there. We work very hard. We want to make sure that people understand some very basic things. So first, you want to understand 
the income that you have? Where is your income coming from? And are you getting all of the benefits that you're entitled to? Right. Every person's situation is different, um, which is why we really recommend that you, you get assistance as, um, with that. But a really good place to start is actually on the Canada.ca website, which is the Canadian government website. And um, they actually have a tool to help you identify. You, it asks some basic questions and it will tell you what benefits you're entitled to. So that's the first thing. Make sure that you're actually getting all the benefits that you're, ti- you're, you're entitled to and that you understand what they are. Um, so most people have three, up to three sources of, of retirement income. The first one is those government benefits, um, you know, old age security, the, the guaranteed, implement, uh, guaranteed supplement, income supplement, and then the Canada Pension Plan. Um, and then there is if you are employed, whatever employment plan that you had, whether you have a defined benefit plan or a defined contribution plan. And that's a really interesting situation. I think something we need to think hard about. The most significant change that's happened in this country over the last 20 years or so that will affect the long-term financial uh, stability of Canadians is the move from defined benefit to defined contribution pensions. So a defined benefit pension means that you pay into a pension plan and you get um, a set amount and it may be indexed uh, ideally after you retire. Those kinds of pensions are becoming increasingly rare. And now what we have is defined contribution pensions where you contribute, your employer may contribute a certain amount, a, a matching amount or, or some other amount. Um, and that amount then gets, gets used. But you, you become a lot more responsible for investment decisions yourself. And not everybody's ready for that. So that's a really significant change. Doretta, I'm sure you have intrigued uh, many of our Zoomer radio listeners about these financial sessions where, I mean, it sounds great, free and unbiased uh, suggestions and education. Put us, uh, give us the right, the directions uh, to get to get into one of these courses. Okay, so our sessions are, they're, they're free, they're an hour long, um, and they're focused on a couple of topics related to, to the needs of seniors. We offer them to community groups, faith communities, anywhere where people gather and learn. So to request a session, um, you go to www.cpacanada.ca slash FLSeniors, that's Financial Literacy Seniors, and, uh, and any organization can book a session. And we will send one of our volunteers who will come and do the sessions for you. So I'll lower case cpacanada.ca slash fl seniors that's right doretta thompson of cpa canada this is zoomer radio's best of fight back i'm jane brown fight back with libby snymer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones we've gone through the audio here are some of the best calls of the week valerie in toronto phoned to say why she thinks premier ford canceled canada day festivities at queen's park I firmly believe that Doug Ford canceled the festivities because he feared he'd be booed off the stage. And I also suspect that that was his reason for not walking in the Pride Parade, that he'd be booed every step of the way. So he's just making himself scarce. But Deborah in Georgetown phoned to say she likes the change in plans to end the Canada Day party at Queen's Park. Not everyone 
can go to the Science Centre. This is great for people who can go. I live outside Toronto. I'm not going to go all the way down to Queen's Park. Mm-hmm. Ottawa is a different game. That's our Canadian capital. I can see that staying there for tourists and everything. But as a person who lives in Ontario and pays taxes in Ontario, no offence at Toronto. It is not the centre of the universe. Uh, neither is Queen's Park. Not everybody can get down to Toronto. Margaret in Mississauga called to say she's a fan of Toronto's mayor and would like to see him expand his political interests. Strongly recommend that John Tory consider running for either premier or prime minister. He's a very clever man. He knows his business and he really, really would make a good Premier or Prime Minister, I believe he's a Conservative now, but would he sh- sh- change his uh, uh, to Liberal, and he would go in flying in without any problem. Stephen M. Parkdale phoned to say he thinks the Green Party leader will improve on her successes in the fall election. To me, you know, Elizabeth May, I think, is going to have far more companions in the next parliament, I think uh, Justin Trudeau will hold on to a minority government. I think Andrew Scheer is Stephen Harper with less personality. And unfortunately, Mr. Singh, uh, the turban, you know, you just look at the laws that happened in Quebec, how can that kind of impact is going to uh, resonate there. And you look at how well Jack Layton caught on in Quebec there uh, three elections ago. I think Elizabeth May has a good chance to catch on. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week comes from Ivan in Milton, who shared some sad news while continuing his advocacy for improved long-term care. This is very dear to my heart. My wife did pass away this week for long-term care for three years. We dealt with a couple of years of it at home till we could not deal with it anymore. And then we got into... Um, it's, a, it's hospital, but it's not hospital. It's run by the region, of which we paid for just as the same as we would pay for a long-term care. It's not PSWs, it's nurses. And I have to tell you, they're so short-staffed. They're, they need people. I've not... This, what upsets me more than anything is, same, you could have a program on this, Jane, every single day of the week. It's talk, talk, and more talk. You don't see any action. And when you do, they tell us, we've just created 600 more beds. Nobody mentioned about the workers. Nobody mentions the labour that they're going to need. It's because it's very, the labour is probably the most expensive part of it. That does it for today's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays at 416-360-0740 on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca and follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fightback. The best of Fightback is produced by Jane Brown, Michelle Saunders, Justin Eacock, and Kelly Robotham. <laughs>